Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, hello. So good to see you. Really good to see you. can stop your family time now. Enough of that. Enough of that. Really, really good to see you here at Gas Street. If you're joining us online, um, really, really warm welcome to you. An extra little plug for the orchard. Can I hear a whoop from the women? Whoop, whoop. Uh, if you haven't got your ticket, please do be there. It's going to be such a special day. I cannot, I cannot overstate what a precious day we sense that it's going to be. So don't miss out. Get your ticket. If you want more info, head to the website. We're going to jump straight into Scripture. We're going to look at two verses from the book of Galatians uh, in the New Testament, um, book written by Paul, who uh, was one of the founders of the early church. Uh, and so we're just going to look at these two verses, Galatians 6, 9 to 10. It's going to come up on the screen. Uh, if you're watching at home and you've got a Bible with you, or you're here and you've got the Bible, open it up, open it up, and let's read the Word of God together. Galatians 6, starting at verse 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I don't know about you, but I vividly remember the moment about 18 months ago when that realization began to sink in, like properly sink in, that we weren't going to be able to gather like this for the foreseeable future. And I am a hopeless optimist. And quite honestly, I thought it's probably just going to be like a couple of weeks and then we'll be back to normal. And I remember having a conversation with Nick Drake and he was slightly more fatalistic about it, I have to say. Uh, But I wasn't convinced. I'm like, yeah, this COVID thing, it's a passing blip. We'll be back. Don't worry. And then, of course, weeks became months and months became a year and then a year and months and we're here now, right? 18 months later and we all know the story. And when it comes to this church, this beautiful church, Gastreet Church, it's probably fair to say that I have a fairly unique vested interest in this church. I, I am passionate about this church. I love this church. And Since the time that Tim and I and the team planted this church six years ago, I have shed blood, sweat and tears literally over this church. And yet, to be honest, something happened temporarily to my view of church when the pandemic hit and we went into lockdown over this last 18 months season. And at first I thought, I'm just not going to cope. Like, I am not going to cope without being able to go to church. I I thought my Sundays were going to be totally bereft. And in many ways, they have been. And you know, when we first started church online, it it wasn't live like this. I'm coming to you live through the screen. It wasn't like that. We didn't have the technology to do it like that. And so what happened is Tim and I would record our church online bits, whether it was the talk or the hosting, like in the the middle of the week. 
And then we would play it on a Sunday. And incidentally, uh, you might not realize this, but it was, it was actually quite stressful recording that stuff at home. You know, we'd, we'd have to do it in the evening. So after a long day, uh, we'd put the kids into bed uh, and then, you know, we'd, we'd set up the camera and we'd set up the lights and we are not technical in that way uh, and then we'd start filming and then invariably like someone would get something wrong or the battery would die or the light would fall over and the sort of the tension would build and we'd have to start again and and it could get I have to confess pretty tense between Tim and in fact there's some photos like this is mid shooting there we go I mean you can add your own captions and then the next one there we go I mean I'm like what? And then Tim's just completely given up on me at that point. Yes, add your captions to those photos as you want. And even though it, it was stressful at times trying to film those links and those talks midweek, when it came to Sunday, when it came to Sunday, it was done, right? It was done. We would wake up leisurely on a Sunday and Tim and I would look at each other and we're like, well, what should we do today? And admittedly, you know, the options were fairly limited, let's be honest, but it was a novelty. It was such a novelty and we would take our time, you know. Sunday morning, we'd take our time. We'd stay in our pyjamas all day. Anyone else stay in their pyjamas all day? Yes. Then we'd go for a walk around the park. We'd change for that. Don't worry, we didn't go in our pyjamas. And then, of course, we'd tune into Gastry online. Of course we would. And but it was kind of done, it was like done, little over an hour and it was all done. And we didn't have to fight for a parking space and we didn't have to sort of dress our children and get them out the door and get them loaded into the car. I didn't have to chat to anyone. There was no sense of responsibility, there was no pressure, honestly, it was bliss, it was bliss. And I know that Tim is listening to me in there with our baby and he's thinking, Rachel, what are you doing? What are you saying? This is not what you're supposed to say. And then of course, the restrictions began to lift. And we know, because you've told us, we know that there are a lot of people that were desperate and longing to start gathering again in here on Sundays. We also know that there are others that, that have been more cautious, uh, more resistant, for very good reason to come back uh, and gather like this. And of course, church online, I mean, church online has been one of those many kind of God surprises that has come out of this season. And honestly, we were kind of taken off guard when we realized how many people had started tuning in to Gas Street Church online uh, over the last NT month. We couldn't quite believe it. You know, it's such a privilege. And it wasn't just you guys tuning into Gas Street, but it was people from all over the place tuning in to church to join us for church online each Sunday. And honestly, it has been such a privilege. What a privilege to minister to people on a Sunday like this beyond Birmingham, we count it a privilege and, and we see it as part of what we're called to now as church. And we get these messages from people from all over the place who have been encouraged in their faith through tuning into church online. And it's, it's so moving and so humbling to read those messages. And I just want to honour the team, actually. A lot of them are up there hiding. But these guys have been on the steepest of learning curves since the pandemic hit. They have poured themselves out to make it possible for all of us to be church in this season through Church Online. So I just want to honour them for that. What an amazing team they are. 
You know, we know people that have joined us for church online and have so connected with us that they have relocated to Birmingham just to be part of this church. What a privilege. And you know what? A few months ago, it did cross my mind that we could just kind of carry on doing Sundays like this. You know, we could all just tune into church online every Sunday. We could just stay in our pajamas forever and ever. And guess what? We wouldn't need to be inconvenienced by annoying things like other human beings. Wow, what a revelation. Because let's be honest, Human beings can be really, really annoying. Christians can be particularly annoying. But you know what? As vividly as I remember that moment of realization as we went into lockdown, not knowing how long it would be, I also vividly remember the first time that we were able to step foot back in this building to worship together, like physically together. After all that time, and despite the fact that we were wearing masks and we were socially distanced, something in my heart just came alive again. You know, and I didn't want to lose hold of all the things that God, God has taught us so much about church over the last 18 months. I didn't want to lose hold of what God was wanting to teach us through this last season, but God is passionate about us gathering together as family like this. And as we gathered, it was like something in me was coming out of hibernation. And, and I think partly it was just being able to see everybody's faces, just, just the top half, obviously, to begin with. But it was also being in a room and watching other people worshipping. I remember seeing James Brumwell over there, hands in the air, and it just ignited worship in my heart. And I, it, it, was that, it was that sense of experiencing God's presence together. It, it was that sense of camaraderie that we were all there sort of doing our bit, playing our part, making it possible. It was the sense of family. That's what I felt, the sense of family. And you know, the other thing that happened in lockdown was Zoom, right? Like the word of lockdown is Zoom. And every Saturday morning in lockdown, me and my mum and dad and my siblings, we would have family Zoom. And we'd connect through our screens and we'd just check in with each other. We'd find out how we were doing, we'd share stories, we'd laugh together. And, and you know, even though those family Zoom times were like a lifeline to me at that time, honestly, what I wanted more than anything was just to be in the same room as them. You know, to give my mum a big hug to have a glass of orange juice with my sister. You know, that's what I wanted, to be in the same physical space. And you know, one of the overriding images of the church in the New Testament is the family. That's the word Paul uses in these verses that we just read in Galatians, the family. We are meant to view church through the lens of family. That's how we're meant to view church, a functional, loving family. And I wonder if, I wonder if the pandemic has ever so slightly shifted or affected your view of church. The American church pastor Rick Warren says this, church is not something that you go to, church is something that you belong to. A church isn't a building, church isn't an event, Church isn't a product or a brand. Church isn't a TV show. Church is family. 
Church is family. And if church is family, then there comes a point where physically being in the same space really matters. It really matters. And actually, if we're serious about following Jesus, then it is futile to try and follow Jesus in isolation. It is futile to try and follow Jesus outside of the context of the church family because the church operates best as family. That's how it was meant to be. And it is important to remember at this point that you're never gonna find the perfect family, right? You're just never gonna find the perfect, and you're never gonna find the perfect church. In fact, if you do find the perfect church, please don't go because you'll just mess it up, quite honestly. And as I said, I love this church. I love this church, but this church is not perfect. Some of you are nodding quite profusely at that. Tim and I are not perfect. But we do want to be intentional about making this church feel like family as much as we possibly can. And you know, honestly, that can be quite challenging. We're a big church. We're a growing church. And it can be challenging to create that sense of family. But you know, that sense of family won't happen because we like cap the growth. You know, okay, we've got so many people through the doors, shut the doors, no one else can come in. We're not gonna grow anymore because it's gonna affect that sense of family. No, we're called to keep growing as the church. We want more and more people to encounter the love of Jesus. And so it's, that sense of family isn't gonna come just by capping the growth, keeping small, staying small. It won't happen because we just make our gathered times like better and better and better. It won't happen because of that. You know, this church won't become family just because we put on more and more brilliant programs. And programs are really helpful in aiding people as they grow as disciples, but that's not how this family will seem, feel like family necessarily. For this church to feel like family, actually very simply, it will take each one of us viewing this church as family, making the decision to view this church as family. You know, I've lost count of the number of people that have said to me, when I walked through the doors at Gas Street for that very first time, I just felt like I'd come home. Again, what a privilege. It's just so amazing when we hear people say that. Because the way that we view church really matters. And the way that we view church is a bit like the difference between having dinner at a restaurant and having dinner at home. And you know, if you were having dinner at a restaurant, it would be pretty weird, right, if halfway through your meal, the waiter kind of walks up to you and says, excuse me, <laughs> sorry, I know you're in the middle of your meal, but uh, it, it's pretty busy tonight and the kitchen is in chaos. Um, they're gonna need your help. So if you could just leave your food at the table, uh, if you could just head into the kitchen, like maybe there's some, there's some onions you could chop, you could wash a few pans, that, that would be really, that would be weird, right? That just wouldn't happen in a restaurant because it's not family. You're paying for a service. We view family differently. Also, it would be weird. If you imagine I'm at home, I've cooked dinner for my family, the kids are sitting at the table, Tim's there, and uh, halfway through the meal, my eight-year-old son, he's like, clicks his fingers, like, excuse me, excuse me. To be honest, he could actually do that. That's not out of the realms of possibility for him to do that. And he like beckons me over, uh, excuse me, excuse me. Um, these fish fingers, these fish fingers that you've served me, they're just not up to scratch. 
You know, they're kind of burnt on the outside and they're a little bit soggy on the, I wanna see the manager. This is not acceptable for my evening meal. Again, it's not out of the realms of possibility that he may say that. But that would be weird because we view family differently. In a restaurant, we're entitled, but in a family, we're responsible. In a restaurant, we're entitled, but in a family, we're responsible. The way we view church really matters. Is it a service we're consuming or is it a family that we belong to? And you know, two things happen when we choose to view church as family. Two things happen. We grow up and we show up. That's what happens when we choose to view church as family. You know, we grow up when we're part of the family of God, when we're part of a church family. We mature. And you know, when we're part of a healthy, functional family, like maturity isn't an option. Maturity is just a byproduct of being immersed in a, a functioning, healthy family. It just happens. You know, the other day I was marveling at the fact that my 12-year-old son now, you know, most mornings I get up at 6.30 and I come down to the kitchen and he's already there. He's fully dressed for school. He's got his bag packed and he is tucking into a cooked breakfast that he has prepared for himself. I know, proud mother moment there. And I'm thinking, you're growing up. You're maturing. I haven't necessarily taught him to do it exactly like that, but he's put the pieces together and he's getting responsibility. He's getting maturity. And when we view church as family, we grow in maturity as followers of Jesus. It's, it's what happens. You know, a healthy family, we shape each other. We encourage each other. We, we sharpen each other. And it's, it's in the context of a church family that, that we learn we learn patience, right? Yeah, we learn patience really fast. We learn how to say sorry to one another. We learn how to forgive each other. We learn perseverance. We learn discipline. We learn how to collaborate, how to do teamwork. It's in family that we learn how to cry with each other, that we learn how to laugh with each other, that we learn how to resolve conflict. It's in church family that we, that we learn to receive constructive criticism. It's where we learn how to serve, how to love, when we view church as, as family, we grow up. It's what happens. But we also show up. We also show up. We commit. We say, I'm in. Not in kind of like a weird, cultish, like pressurized way. But at some point, if you view church as family, you say, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to roll up my sleeves and muck in. It's what happens. You choose to show up. You know, we had an email from a guy a little while ago and he'd been coming for a couple of weeks to Gastry and he's like, I'm loving it and we've decided we're in. Where can we serve? How can we get involved? We love emails like that. You know, when we view church as family, we show up, we play our part, we, we contribute to the life of the church. We show up for each other. We look out for each other. We show up for the city. When the city is in need, we show up. We don't always wait necessarily for the church to do something. You know, sometimes we hear that. When's the church gonna do something about community? When's the church gonna do something about mission? When's the church gonna do something about evangelism? You are the church. You, you are the church. 
And of course, there are going to be moments when, as a church, we facilitate opportunities for community and evangelism and mission. That's why we run things like Alpha and Love Your Neighbor. That's why we have the gastric groups. So those things can function. But it's in a family that you take initiative. You take responsibility. And you know what? This church is full of people who have done just that. I can think of so many incredible people, ordinary people, but pretty remarkable people who have just stepped up over and over again because they want this church to be family. They want this church to be all that it's been called to be in this city for the kingdom of God. And they're willing to give. They're willing to muck in. They're willing to serve. They're willing to roll their sleeves up to give their best to see this church flourish for the sake of the city. And it's beautiful when that happens. It's a humbling thing when we see that happen. See, when we view church as family, we grow up and we show up. I have been uh, reliably informed that there are 90 days till Christmas. 90, oh, Somebody keen on Christmas there. That sends me into a slight panic, honestly, but you're excited. That's great. 90 days. 90 days till Christmas. And actually, you know, I love Christmas. I love Christmas. Some of my happiest memories as a child are around Christmas time. And that's because my mum, as many of you will know, she's part of this church, my mum and dad. My mum is like an incredible host. She's just an amazing host. She She's just unflappable, endlessly smiling, produces delicious food out of nothing and happy for anyone just to walk through the door. And actually growing up for me, uh, we lived in a home where people were always coming in and out uh, for food and for hospitality. And I loved that. I loved being part of a family like that. And of course, at Christmas time, there was a lot of hosting going on. People coming in and out to celebrate Christmas around that time. And, and my mum was always unfazed by however many families or relatives or friends or neighbours showed up around that time. And she catered for them all with a big smile on her face. Uh, but you know, the thing I remember about Christmas particularly was Christmas lunch, Christmas lunch. Uh, and, and the reason I remember it fondly is because for Christmas lunch, we all had a job to do. Me and my siblings and the family members that were there, we all had a job. And first of all, my job was setting the table. That was kind of like the, the first rung on the ladder, setting the table. Once I'd mastered setting the table, I graduated. Once I was safe enough to handle a sharp implement, I graduated to peeling the potatoes. I got that down, that was good. Then I really found my sweet spot in the Brussels sprout department. I was really good at preparing those Brussels sprouts. And then, you know, everybody had a job as well. My siblings had jobs. My uncle would always prepare a quiz. My, my auntie would make a pudding. My dad was always on drinks duty. Make of that what you will. That was his role. We all just mucked in together. And I don't ever remember resenting having to muck in. It's kind of what made Christmas lunch Christmas lunch. It's what made family family. And as we all tucked into that Christmas lunch, is your mouth watering yet? As we tucked into our Christmas lunch, you know, I just remember those Brussels sprouts tasting all the sweeter because I'd prepared them. Actually, no, they didn't. I hate Brussels sprouts. They are utterly disgusting. But you know, over that festive period, all that hosting, all that hosting people coming in and out of our house, 
Apart from the, you know, immediate family members who just mucked in, I, I can identify five different types of visitor, five different types of visitor. And, you know, all the visitors, without fail, no matter who they weren't, all the visitors got the same warm welcome. They all got fed. They all got loved. Yeah, that was the same across the board. But there were five different types of visitors. The first of all was the invited now, these were people that hadn't been to our house before, and there was no way my mom was going to let them lift a finger. Not a chance. They were invited guests. It was our job to host them, to serve them. Then there were the infants, and these were like, you know, the young kids, the young kids who, there was no expectation for them to do anything remotely helpful, quite honestly, uh, because they were appropriately immature. Then there was the inexperienced. And these were people that came and actually, for whatever reason, they hadn't had much experience of being part of like a healthy, functional family. And they didn't quite know how it worked. And so it wasn't that they didn't want to help. It's just that they didn't know how. And they, they just needed a little bit of a shove, a little bit of encouragement, a bit of direction. Then there was the injured. And I remember every year there were always sort of one or two adults who, for whatever reason, that year were hurting that Christmas, whether it was physically or emotionally. And you knew that if they were well, they'd kind of be eager to help out. But for, for whatever reason, that year they just needed extra care, you know? They needed to be served and that was okay. Then there was the inactive, the inactive. And these were the people that came every year, they knew the deal, they were perfectly capable of helping out, but instead they would find like the comfiest chair in the corner, plonk themselves down, and then just wait for everybody to come to them. You know, when we view church as family, there are always going to be guests. We love guests. We love it when you invite your friends to church. Honestly, like we get really excited about that. And we want every guest who walks through that door to feel so loved, to feel so welcome. And we wouldn't expect them to do anything, to muck in. And you know, I remember somebody saying to me that they'd come to church as a guest, their friend had invited them, and the only reason that they came back the following week is because somebody on the Hello and Welcome Net team had remembered their name. That was it. They'd come back the second week because that person had remembered their name. You know, there are also some people who come to church and they're kind of, spiritually speaking, like appropriately immature. Do you know what I mean? Like they're exploring faith. They're, they're right at the beginning of this journey. They're figuring stuff out and that's great. Again, that's great. There are some guests that come and they're hurting. People come to church and they're in a season that's marked by pain whatever that might look like, and they need rest, and they need healing, and that's okay. And there are some guests that just want to kind of take it all in. They want to, they want to consume, the, and that's okay too for a time, for a time. You know, whatever reason you've come to church this morning, I want you to know that you are so welcome. Come as you are. That will not change. That's never going to change. But there's a sixth type of visitor, Sixth type of visitor. And these are the people that arrive as guests, but they leave as family. 
And they're the ones that show up to your house and they don't mind if like, it's not like really, really tidy. <laughs> we like people like that. Uh, you know, they don't expect to be served. They, they don't expect the fridge to be like stockpiled with all their favorite food. Uh, they might bring a takeaway, you know. I, I, th- I think about Tim, Tim and I in our house, Ever since we were married, we've always had people live with us, like usually a young person in their early 20s, you know, just sort of getting going into adult life. And if we've had a spare room, we've often had someone like that living in there. And we've loved that. It's been a really mutually beneficial thing. And we, didn't, we don't charge any rent or anything. It's just like, just come and muck in. And you know, many of you will know Noah Smith. He plays the drums here. And Noah came to live with us. He, he was here doing the internship here. And he came to live with us. And I remember, you know, it took him a couple of weeks to kind of figure out the deal. But the first time I came downstairs after a long day, I've tucked all the kids into bed. And I came downstairs. He had blitzed the kitchen. He'd unloaded the dishwasher, he'd loaded it again, he'd wiped down all the surfaces. I could have cried, honestly. I could have burst into tears because he arrived as a guest, but he'd become family. You know, I said before, our church is full of amazing people that just constantly go the extra mile. They do. We see it all the time. Many of them do it behind the scenes where where you can't even see, it's not even visible. They they serve to make this church feel like family, to make it feel like home. Actually, just last Sunday, I was out in the kiddie corner with our little baby and Grace Dengel, who is awesome. Yes, Grace Dengel has served at this church faithfully for a number of years. Uh, And she was on the Hello and Welcome team and she was walking through and there were three parents. We were sat there and, uh, and she just looked across and went, do you guys want a drink? Can I get you guys a coffee? We were like, yes, yes. She just goes and gets us a drink. Tiny gesture, but went such a long way. She saw us and went the extra mile. You know, when we view church as family, we grow up and we show up. And you know, the more we grow up, the more we show up. And the more we show up, the more we grow up. And it's no coincidence, and I'm coming into the end now, It's no coincidence that today is Team Sunday. Today is Team Sunday. It's the day that we want to highlight to you all the ways that you can serve at this church. We want it to be intentional about providing an opportunity for people to kind of metaphorically pick up the potato peeler, you know, to come and be part of preparing the Christmas lunch, to be on a team. And, you know, I I checked the stats and on our church database, there are, a hundred, there are 1,261 adults who are on our database who would say, yep, I see this, this church as home, as family. 1,261. That's a lot of people. A lot of people that call this church home. And you know, of that 1,261 people, 332 are actively serving on a team right now. That's 26%. And so the good news is there is loads of space. There is loads of space for everyone to get stuck in. And this isn't about us putting pressure on you, I promise you. We don't want anyone to feel under pressure. We just want to make everyone feel like they have an opportunity for this church to feel like family. And this isn't about us like filling slots on a rotor. That's not what this is about. This is about an opportunity for each of us 
to embrace this church as family. It's also about creating an opportunity to make a difference because it's so much more than filling in a slot on a rota for a team each Sunday. It's so much more than that. It's about making a difference. It's about being part of something that is so much bigger than ourselves. You know, when we launched Love Your Neighbor in the pandemic, there were these two amazing volunteers. Both of them had come through Alpha, Pete and Ryan. And they just jumped, they were both on furlough and they jumped into Love Your Neighbor and they started delivering food parcels to the community. And they built up a relationship with this guy who lived on the top of a block of flats and he was a a disabled guy. And so access was really, really difficult for him. Uh, And they would go and deliver food parcels to him and they started chatting about football. This guy's passionate about football. And so they started talking about football together. And, And then they started talking about church. And you know, last Sunday... Pete went and picked this guy up, brought him to church, absolutely loved it. Loved being here. I want to end where we started with Galatians 6 verse 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, we have an opportunity. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the church family of believers. Let us not grow weary. I think it's fair to say that for some of us, we have a pretty heavy weariness about us right now. And that's, that's not unexpected given what we've all been through. You know, I said to a friend this week, it's only September and I feel totally exhausted <laughs> We know that it's symptomatic, this weariness of what we've been through. And in many ways, we need to be kind to ourselves. We really do right now. I, I, I don't want to brush over that. But the danger is, the danger is if we're not careful, that weariness kind of slides into apathy. You know, that weariness slides into just getting comfy and safe, redefining what Sunday looks like to kind of suit us, you know. That weariness kind of slides into just looking out for me and what I need right now. Let us not grow weary of doing good. I chatted to another friend this week and he said, He'd been really, really struggling right through the summer, really struggling. And this guy, he's like super capable, he's uh, super outgoing, but he had sunk into this pretty depressive state for a number of weeks, a number of weeks. And he'd had a couple of weeks off work over the summer. And he said, like, the, the days leading up to his return to work, he was dreading it, really dreading going back. Like, couldn't face it, even though it was a jo- it's a job he loves. It's a job that he feels called to. But to his surprise, he said to me, as soon as he stepped back into work, as soon as he re-engaged with that sense of purpose that he had, as soon as he, he was reminded of all the opportunities there were for him to do something good for other people, he just felt revived, he said. He felt weirdly refreshed. We are all called to do good. We're designed, actually, to do good. It's in the DNA of every member of God's family. It's why we're here. And in a moment, in a moment, I'm going to invite you all to head into the cafe. 
And we've set up a whole bunch of tables with all the information that you might need about what it looks like to serve on the team. If you're watching online, you can go to the website, gastreet.church forward slash teams. You can do that on your phones here if you want. Uh, Just in a moment, I'm going to invite you to do that. But before we do, just one quick thing. You know, when I looked at those stats, like 26%, I'm thinking, that's weird. I wonder why people why people haven't signed up to serve on a team. And I I just thought of maybe four objections that people might have. And just to sort of clear the air, I thought, let's let's just quickly talk about those. Number one, I wonder if some people say, you know, I'm not needed. I'm not needed. I look at this shit, you got it down. Like it's, it's down, you don't need me. Actually, that's not true. We need you. We really need you. We really, really need you. We need everyone, we want everyone to serve, everyone who calls this church family. The second thing is, I don't know what's expected. And you know, I get that, that's fair enough. Today is your day, like today, if that's your objection, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what I'd have to do if I joined the kids team. What would I have to do if I was on the production team? Well, today's the day you can find out, have all your questions answered. And, and actually, I was thinking, recently, you, you might be aware that there's been a few uh, big churches where the culture of the church has kind of been exposed and it seemed quite toxic and, and where volunteers have felt like used and abused and like wrung out to dry. And it might be that you're here and you've come from another church and actually you're here and you feel like kind of hurt by church. You feel a bit burnt out by church. I just want to say we don't want that to happen here. And if the reason that you're holding back is you think, I don't want to step into, uh, step into kind of a volunteering place and feel like overburdened, overwhelmed. Well, again, today is the day to have that conversation. Have that conversation. We want to be transparent. And I have a feeling that what's expected will be a lot less than you actually think. You know, the the other objection is, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I couldn't possibly serve on a team. I am far too busy. And again, I do understand there are seasons in life where there's a stretch. And I get it. Seasons, stretch, I get it. I just want to say this one thing. Some of the busiest people in this church, some of the people with like the craziest jobs serve the most, give the most at this church. Last objection, I'll get around to it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the team thing. Oh yeah, yeah, one day. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I'll get around to that. Today's your day. Today is your day. You can find out more today. Find out how you can serve. Be part of the team. We're going to show you this short video and then I'm going to give you instructions on what to do next. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastreet.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastreet Church.